And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Ah, yes. Good morning once again. What, what is going on here? It is Monday. What is it? March 16th. I'm looking right at the digital calendar on my computer. I'm like, 316. What month is that? What day is that? It's the 16th. Okay, yeah, th this is where I'm at right now. So it's 7.11 in the morning here, Eastern Standard Time. It is still dark outside. It feels like 5 in the a.m. I was so dumb because I thought with this time change, so we have, you know, we have the two dogs now. We have Taz. We have Derby. They're awesome. So I was putting off, like, you know, I, my routine is to walk Taz every morning, no exceptions. It's a little dicey now just because I have a, a cool leash. I'm going off on tangent land already. You're welcome here. We all need a little distraction, right? So I had this leash that my wife got me that had this really cool flashlight thing built into it. Like, you know, the, the flashlight mounts on the leash because she saw I was using, you know, I was out there walking. And I've got my phone. I'm using the flashlight on that just to, you know, scare away skunks, basically, so I don't have an accident or an incident. Um... And then the flashlight broke, so I'm like, eh, or, or actually, no, it fell off, and I lost it somewhere. I don't know where it is, so, you know, idiot me, right? Um, so now I'm, I'm out there, I'm walking him, I'm like, okay, I think Derby is ready to start joining us on these morning walks. I think she's pretty much ready for it, but I, I want it to be lighter outside because I don't want to manage two leashes and, um, and a, a flashlight because I need, like, three hands to pull that off realistically. Um, and so I'm like, I'll just wait until after the time change when it'll be lighter outside, not realizing that, oh no, this is the one where it actually stays dark longer in the morning. So yeah, I didn't, that didn't work so well. So I've tried it a couple times managing both of them and, and a flashlight. It's, it's a pain in the ass because also she doesn't know anything about anything. I mean, <laughs> she's, she's a 16 week old puppy. You think she knows about like, oh, let me walk to this side of my dad because this way he won't have to turn around and pirouette while holding onto another leash. I mean, it's, you know. You, you can imagine how ridiculous this looks. You know, if somebody's just watching me out there, it's like when you when you see somebody from a f from a distance and they're walking around and they hit a spider web and it looks like they just have a seizure out of nowhere. That's probably how I look when I'm walking these two. Um, thankfully, it's at night or in in the dark at least, so nobody can see me. So, anyway, how y'all doing? So we are here on Monday the sixteenth after having done a podcast on Friday the thirteenth. It's almost like we are back on a regular schedule. Oh my god! And also, this is the first day of spring break here in Knoxville. So um, I'm not even alone right now. And yet I persist. I do a podcast for you anyway. Why? Of course, because I love you. Um, and I got some stuff to talk about. So why not? Why not? Um, funny story. Let's do a quick little music update here. Not a lot has changed since uh, since Friday. I haven't been back in the studio or anything like that. Um, but the, the song that was the intro to the podcast on Friday, um, that song is called Search and Recovery. So it now has words. It now has vocals and a melody. It's done at this point. And as has been the case several times in writing this album, I think this is the third or fourth song that I've had to write the, do this to. I write the whole thing. There are no words for it yet. And then my wife gets her hands on it. She writes the words and she starts singing for it. And I'm like... Then comes a realization, okay, this song needs to be in a different key just because it has to you know, be in a comfortable vocal range for her where she sounds great. And so oftentimes that means that we change things a little bit. Um, and it's just my impatience that leads to that being an issue where um, I get really excited about a song and instead of just leaving it as like a piano track and then giving it to her, it's like, it's a piano track, okay, let's add some drums, let's add a bass, let's add 12 guitar tracks on top of it as well. 
And then before you know it, it's this full-fleshed-out, great-sounding arrangement. Then we find out, yeah, it needs to be a new key, and I have to record every single one of those tracks, except the drums. Um, So that's what happened with this. So um, we were going through it, and she's like, yeah, a lot of this is sitting kind of high in my range, and it might be good if it was a little bit lower. I'm like, yeah, I kind of hear that too. Okay, so um, the interesting thing about writing a song like this also is you've got these words. And, you know, a song has tempo and measures and stuff, but... It is not an intuitive process to figure out how that happens. So in, in musical terms, it's called phrasing. Like, do you spit out the words really fast, rapid fire, or do you really stretch them out? Or is it a combination of the two? Um, how do you make the words that you've written for a specific section fit over that section? Because, um, you know, we have some some sections where it's like, okay, this is an eight-bar section right here, and we have 12 words. This is an eight-bar section. We have 45 words. It, it, it becomes a real challenge. And then how do you make it melodically interesting at the same time? So thankfully, I don't really have to worry about much of any of that. That's all on her. She does a great job with it. And it's just my job to kind of sit there and say, yeah, that sounds good. Or, hey, what if you did this? But I don't have to, have, have to actually do any of it. So I would actually venture to say that she's got the hard job when it comes to writing. Um, because <laughs> just by the nature of how the process works. So um, she, she's a saint and very patient for for working through it, uh, but it sounds great. It sounds great. And we did have to change the key on it, so I ended up re-recording um, all the tracks yesterday. Um, but I'm I'm really happy with it. I'm not happy with my mix, but that doesn't really matter at this point. So it sounds sounds great though. Sounds great. So that was the uh, the goal for the weekend was to get that done. I had a couple of other little goals that I did not hit. I made some progress on it, but I was just not satisfied with the end result that I got. So. Um, it's all, all good in the hood over here. So, um, you know, the hashtag that I'm using these days is business as usual, just because, you know, for me, not a whole lot has changed. For the king of all introverts, you know, social distancing has kind of been my way of life for my entire life. So this doesn't really feel too different to me. <laughs> the only thing that's different is uh, there's a lot more anxiety about everything else right now. So it's good times. Um, and you know, I, I expect that will change. Like right now, you know, every gym around here is still open. I don't expect in a couple of weeks that'll still be the case. And you know, how long that would, um, be like that for really up in the air. It, it's a big question mark right now. So I went ahead and I shared out a, uh, an update on this whole virus situation with all my clients. And I actually just wanted to take a second here and read it to you. And I'm going to post this on my website as well. It'll be linked from the front page, um, which will point to a blog post And then if I get my act together, um, there's going to be a download associated with this that will be up there as well. So um, so I'm actually going to not interrupt myself here, and I'm just going to read this whole thing start to finish. um, And then we'll kind of break it down if necessary, and I'll take questions. And I'm just kidding. There will be no questions because, you know, you can't ask questions. (laughs) Um, But here here is how it all went. Hey, all. I, I am nothing if not uh, completely casual and informal in these. Yeah, time out, time out before I get started here. How many of these messages have you received that look like they were passed through a whole bunch of focus groups and written by corporate lawyers? And have you actually read any of those? I mean, it's like, okay, basically, we're concerned about everybody's safety and well-being. We'll be taking appropriate measures and blah, blah, blah. Why did you put this out? Okay, we don't need to hear this. You need to send this out to as... To, to make you feel better that you're being a responsible business. I get that, but this is not helpful to anybody necessarily. So I was trying to provide some helpful information here. So let me start again. <clears throat> Quote, Hey all, 
I know you've had a billion of these messages, so I'll keep this brief. I just wanted to share a few thoughts as I've had some questions and inquiries already and wanted to get some stuff out there. Several people have... Okay, you know I hate it when I interrupt myself when I'm reading this stuff, but it's just worth clarifying here. I sent this on March 14th. I think that that's two days ago. I think elements of this might already be dated or obsolete. I don't know. (laughs) I just know that the situation is changing really quickly here, but we'll see how it goes. So here we go. Um, Several people have expressed concerns about continuing to hit the gym or what to do in case there's closes. For starters, I put together some bodyweight workouts that can be done from home, and I'll be sharing those soon, including on the website, free for download, once it's all buttoned up and finished. This is a reasonable short-term stopgap solution if and when it becomes necessary. Not a long-term fix, but everything we're dealing with here is short-term. Remember that as well. In the meantime, I think you'll find that continuing to use the gym is not a difficult or dangerous thing if you use a little precaution. Things to consider. One, wipe down everything before and after using. Two, bring a towel. Do not reuse the same towel day-to-day. Wash it. Three, wash your hands as frequently as seems appropriate before and after your session at least. In between exercises isn't a bad idea either. Four, don't touch your face. It's amazing how easy this is to avoid when you really think about it. Five, this is where things start to get interesting. Think about skipping or modifying supersets to limit the chance of people cutting in on you. Six, asking to work in or allowing others to work in with you is probably something I'd stop just to maintain a little extra distance. Seven, if you have a lid or cap on your water bottle or jug, leave it off so you aren't touching it, pulling it off, or opening it in between every set, which is increasing your risk of hand contamination. Number eight, put your phone away and leave it there and wipe it down regularly as well. And that is not just a gym-based recommendation. I know also that grocery stores are experiencing shortages. If you're having difficulty finding things for your plan, by all means, make whatever substitutions are available and most appropriate. Swapping out chicken for ground beef because that's all that's available, that's fine. A little extra fat won't be the worst thing that can happen in this situation. In the short term, expect me to say that a lot. We'll have to make some modifications and adjustments, and that is okay. Also, because of how quickly things changed this past week, the stores simply weren't prepared. I have heard, and this is still true, zero evidence of any supply chain interruptions, so they will catch up. Remember that trucks only drive so fast. Best advice I can offer, take deep breaths, remain as calm as you can manage. Get outside, enjoy some fresh air, take smart precautions, think about how your actions may impact those who are more vulnerable and at risk than you are, and don't buy up all the damn toilet paper, please. And prepared statement. There you go. So that that is the advice that I have. Now, <clears throat> all of that is still true. Um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think all that is true. Um, the big thing also, another thing I would say is, at this point, just because we're experiencing a lot of um, interruption in what we would consider to be the norm, this would be a great time to think about changing your routine a little bit, if possible, with whatever degree of flexibility you have. If you go to the gym at peak hours, don't. Go at off-peak hours. You know, be like, oh, but I'm going to have to get up early. So what? Do it. You know, I mean, as long as it remains open, get in when there are a few people there. It's just safer. It's smarter at this point. So, you know, you get in there during peak hours, it's basically like going to a concert, and those have all been canceled, right? So just get yourself there when it's a little less crowded. I think that's a smart thing to do. And if you have to really, really up in the schedule a little bit in order to make that happen, I think it's worth it. So, um, 
And, you know, I, I will be providing um, that download link as well. So keep your eyes on, posted on the main page of the website, fivestarphysique.com. I'll put an announcement up there um, with a link to the statement that I just read here. And there will be a download link in there as well where you can grab these workouts. Um, currently, they're not totally buttoned up to the point where they're good for public consumption, but they're, they're good enough, I think, anyway, for right now. There's still a little bit of formatting work that needs to be done, but they're largely ready. I'm going to be adding to that library as well, so... Thank you, Mary, for helping me out with that because bodyweight programming isn't really my jam. Boy, it sure is hers. So, uh, so it's been a huge help. So, um, yeah, and, and um, th there's no evidence of supply chain interruptions. And what what you read online also regarding grocery stores um, is that you know, they're not out of stock. It's just the shelves aren't stocked. They've got stuff. It's just, you know. There's only so many people that work in the store. There are a lot more people that are coming in to empty the shelves so they can't keep up. So you're getting a lot of stores that are adjusting their hours so they can spend more hours closed, which they're using to restock and clean. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, things, things are going to be weird. But the other thing I would say is when you go, don't hoard for the apocalypse. Buy what you need. If you turn into a hoarder, you are the problem. You are the problem. So um, don't do that. Please, please be sensible. Stock up for what you need and leave the rest for everybody else because other people need it too. Don't be the problem. So um, so I got a lot of good feedback from that on people, and I think it was it was a statement that needed to be put out. And also, you know, I was trying to offer some practical tips for the gym as well. The, the water um, bottle thing or jug, like I use a gallon jug for me, it really hit me as I'm sat, sitting there in the gym. I'm like, I'm touching all this crap, and then I'm grabbing the cap on that thing and pulling it off. I'm like, that's probably not a good idea. Look at where you, so I encourage a lot of common sense thinking like that. Look at where your hands have been in the gym because you're, you, you're not going to wipe down every single dumbbell before you use it. You probably should, but it's, you know, a lot of gyms like the one where I go, I will say like the, the cleaning supplies that they have on hand, they're not conveniently located. The paper towel dispensers are the kind that spit out like two inches at a time. The spray bottle, it really doesn't spray. It just leaks. It's really annoying. And there's like two of them for the entire gym. So, uh, I need to ask them to step up their game a little bit and replace some stuff. Also, the men's bathroom has two sinks. One has been out of order for a week and a half. So, <laughs> it's like, guys, fix your shit. Come on. It's important now. This matters. Um, but uh, I, I think if, if you just you know look, look at the, you know, we, we could call it the chain of evidence, really. Look at what your hands touch and then look at what you then grab with them. Um and so just think about like, hmm, okay, I'm touching that a lot, huh? Okay, I'm touching that. That's going near my mouth, okay, hmm. And I think it's just smart to exercise a little precaution there. So, you know, I think if you do that, um, it, as long as you can avoid gyms during peak hours, and realistically, even if you go during peak hours, but you're able to keep some distance, um, you, I think I think realistically you're going to be fine. So, and again, I reserve the right to modify this statement at any time. And I, I had a, a sense also, like I was thinking about, what was the movie? Star Trek Beyond, um, where Idris Elba played this Starfleet captain who was basically abandoned by Starfleet and then uh, went insane. But there, there were these basically these hostage videos of like him um, recording his log into the computer of the ship. And it's one of these things where it's like, day one, spirits are good. We're fine. We're fine. Day 10. 
we've lost contact with such and such and the situation like deteriorates and so I feel like this podcast could end up being kind of like a time capsule like that where last week I'm like we're all good everybody's fine go have a party it's great and then today I'm like hey everybody exercise a little extra precaution and then we'll come back next Monday it'll be like yeah I wouldn't go to the gym and then two weeks from now it'll it'll be like okay so you know um just make sure you 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 keep your 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 loaded gun by the door at all times and then like two months from now I'm gonna be like guys you know what I'm it's embarrassing for me to say this but I I ate my neighbor yesterday I'm not proud of it but you know what he was already sick I cooked him well so I think it's gonna be all good I mean <laughs> it's, it's gonna be like that kind of deterioration I I'm totally thinking also that I sh- I never should have watched Walking Dead because I think that has mentally prepared me for things to be way worse than they're ever going to get. <laughs> so now it's like that's all I can think about at this point. So, uh, but I'm still laughing about it. So that's something I guess, right? Um, so, um, let's see. What do we got? What do we got? I got a couple of voicemails here. Why don't we jump in on those and uh, we'll see what we see. Hi, Darren. It's Aaron from Minneapolis. I'm your new client. I had a question about the difference between using a rest pause and using a drop set. So, for example, is it if I've reached failure or pretty close, should I rest, pause, and continue on with the same weight, or should I drop the weight and knock out some reps at a lower weight? Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to another episode. It's been a long time. Bye. Yeah, it has indeed, huh, Aaron? Thank you for that. Appreciate it. So that was actually from March 2nd. So, hey, it took two weeks to get to it. But, you know, I'm catching up. And just so you know, Aaron's message right there was the last one I had still in the queue when I recorded uh, the episode on Friday. I've got a couple since then, and we'll uh, we'll see what we can get to today. So um, that's a good question, though. So um, the the way I summarize that is questions about the difference or appropriateness of drop sets versus rest pause. So first of all, they're both good, and I would say whatever is in your program, follow that because it's probably in there for a reason. Um, now the the difficulty of execution and the ability to pull it off with quality is going to be different for everybody. Some people find um, rest pause to be way harder. Some people find drop sets to be way harder. I think a lot of that has to do also with how you set the parameters on that. So, um, and, and how hard you push and how, I mean, as with everything, how willing you are to really, really stretch your comfort zone. And the correct answer there is tremendously. The more you stretch that, the more you feel like you might actually literally die mid-set, the more effective it's going to be, assuming that you don't actually die, because dead folks make no gains. Don't forget that. So a drop set, the, the trick there is finding the appropriate weights to drop to, and that's just something that you learn over time. It's not something that I can tell you, because I could say, and often the guideline I say is, you know, start with this weight and then drop to 30% and then drop, not to 30%, but drop it by 30% and then drop it by 30% again if we're doing three different weights. Uh, That's a good starting point, but also it's going to depend on the person and the exercise as well. Like that kind of a drop might not feel appropriate for every movement. You might want to drop a little bit more, uh, a little bit more in weight or maybe take smaller drops. It depends on, you know, how the set started out. If you're targeting 10 reps and you get 10 pretty easily, first of all, I'd say you misgauge that first weight. You know, the idea being at a drop set, whatever your target weight is initially, you should feel like you're pretty well tapped out and then you need to drop in order to get additional reps. 
So I think part of it is just not necessarily understanding the parameters. And if we understand the parameters of both of these techniques, then we can use both of them more effectively. So this is where it just gets into the skill category and, and we start talking more about experience and just having more practice with it and uh, just getting better at pulling it off. So just because something says on paper, we'll do this and then do this and do this, doesn't mean you can necessarily do that in a maximally effective way. It just takes practice and skill and repetition to really increase your ability to pull it off well. So things to consider with a drop set in order to get better at it is picking the right weight for the first segment of the set. Also, how is the drop set structured? It, I, I find it a little bit more difficult and challenging if you provide rep targets for each of the drops in weight. Like, you know, a set to failure, or a set, a set of 10, and then drop and give me 8, and then drop and give me 8 more, and then drop and give me 15. It's like, okay, well, you're setting some pretty specific targets there, and I don't know how the hell I'm going to hit those. So it's totally just a trial and error, like close your eyes, let go of the wheel, and hope for the best kind of situation there. Oftentimes when I do a, a drop set in programming, I will just give you an initial rep target like, okay, set a 12, drop to failure, drop to failure, which... I think failure is an overused concept and very few people who aim for failure ever reach it or anything really all that close to it. So that's why I don't want to rely on that, but I think it's just an easier target to hit. And just keep in mind that whatever you think failure probably is, realistically, it's probably about five or six reps beyond that. Um, we always have a natural tendency to quit before we need to when it comes to failure. Uh, and your ability to wrap your head around that and to execute with that intention I think is one of the big things that determines your ceiling as a bodybuilder and how much you can grow over time because um, some people are just built to push through that wall and those are the people that become really good bodybuilders and some people I would consider myself in this category are, are much more inclined to want to bow out once things really start to suck which is why as I like to say I'm 240 right now and not 275. <laughs> I think I think it's that kind of a difference, really. And so I've done okay, but um, you know, I, I think my potential will be a lot higher. And it's just one of those things. It's it's how I'm programmed. It is the thing that I struggle with the most is that you know pushing through it when it really matters. If you can do that, you're going to outpace most other people. So um, keep that in mind. So that failure target really understand what that means. Like if you don't feel like you are dead by the end of each of those, and thinking like there is no way I can get another rep. I don't know how I could possibly do it. And then you drop the weight and you get another 13. If you make that happen, my hat is off to you because you get it. You get it and you've got a really high ceiling. So it's just about how hard you work. So drop sets are all about finding the sweet spot for where to drop. And again, that takes trial and error. That takes trial and error. So um, on a drop set also, if we are targeting 10 fail, fail, fail or something like that, on your logbook, write down what failure was for each of those um, rep numbers and then write down what the weight was. So you know, okay, I dropped to this and I got this many. You can look back at that and say, okay, well, I dropped down to this number and I only got five reps. And then I dropped down to this number and I got 18 reps. Like if you're getting 18 for failure, either, man, you're going really hard or that way it might be a little conservative. That's probably a higher target than it needs to be for failure. Failure should always be 10 to 15-ish, probably something like that. But as long as you're getting good quality reps and you're, you're pushing through that failure threshold and, you know, your body is telling you quit and you're not doing it, it's productive. So when it comes to rest pause, the idea here is you will 
operate at a working weight for a normal set. Like let's say you're doing sets of 10 and your last set might be a rest pause set of 20 that you will conduct at the same weight you just finished for 10. There's a lot of ways that you can do rest pause, but that's one of the most common ways to do it. Um, and the way you do it is, okay, you're getting your 10 reps. Okay, so what you're going to do on this last set, it's a rest pause set to 20. Your target isn't 10, it's 20. So get as many reps as you can without taking a break. And when you need to, take a break, but it's going to be short, 10 to 15 seconds, and then resume and aim for that failure target. And if you have to work in a couple of pauses, so be it. If you have to work in three or four pauses, no, you're not going hard enough. Um, that's, that's just about not stopping. It's not necessarily about what your body needs to do. So this is another way to force you. Both of these things are just designed to force you out of your comfort zone. Both are appropriate in nearly all circumstances. But, you know, if you do one one week for an exercise, you want to do the same one the following week because we can still force progressive overload on this. Forcing progressive overload on rest pause has been one of the things that has really helped my legs to catch up, which they're still doing. That's still an active process. But um, because what you'll notice in rest pause, rest pause can be a real eye opener if you really treat it as a gun to your head kind of set. Let's say, let's just make up some numbers here. We're pushing 500 pounds on leg press, and we're going for 10 to 12 reps. Okay, and then we have a rest pause set of 24. We're going for 24 on this. So, so double our normal reps, and we still got 500 pounds thrown on there. Okay, cool. So you get in there. You mentally set yourself up. You're like, this is the hardest set of the day right here. This is going to be a bitch. This is going to suck. This is going to be terrible. I'm going to want to die after this. Great. Let's do it. Boom. Unrack it. Go moderately paced reps you're not rushing it just because there's more reps you still want you know a rep at at a 12 rep set to look like a rep from your 24 rep set um and here's the thing gun to your head don't stop unless you absolutely have to absolutely have to and i think what you'll find is the first handful of times you engage in rest pause activity like this you will find that you can probably hit the entire target, all 24 reps, without having to take a pause at all. And that is a big, large-scale recalibration moment because then you realize, huh, well, I was using this weight for 12 and I was considering that failure, but I just realized I can do twice as many reps and, and, and not have to take a break. Okay, well, guess what? That 500 pounds, that's not your 12-rep 12 12 rep weight anymore. You thought it was. It is not. So for me, that's where rest pause becomes really helpful is you know, it really helps to recalibrate the intensity scale overall. So Aaron, to answer your question, I mean, th the difference, there you go, both are 100% appropriate and they can accomplish much the same thing in different ways. I think a rest pause set probably is logistically a little bit easier to pull off just because there are fewer variables in play. You're largely keeping the weight the same. You're chasing a rep target that's still easily defined. Um, you don't have to think about how much weight's going to change here and there as you do with a drop set. So there are more variables in there, but both are really good. You just the, the consistent thing about them is that you have to approach them with that killer mindset and just you know, a level of aggression that you know, you got to ramp it up. Whatever knob or dial you have to control that aggression, you got to crank it all the way to 11 for that set. Um, and a lot of people can't sustain it there. I mean, mo most people can't sustain it that high for an entire workout. Find your times when you can. Pick and choose your spots and really make it work then. Hey, Darren. This is Heather from New Jersey. Um, my question for you was about muscle maturity and does that play a factor in looking better in terms of when you get older, do your muscles tend to look better, fuller? Because um, I heard as you get older, your skin might get thinner and your 
from just years of building muscle and hitting the gym, you're, you'll look better, especially um, as a young competitor. Uh, people tend to compare themselves to people older than them who might have 10 years on them in terms of um, weight training. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Heather. Good question. It's kind of funny. You said you compare yourself to older people. I'm always comparing myself to younger people, which is always a fool's errand. So, <laughs> um, It's a good question. And so you had a couple things there, muscle maturity and then also skin. So one thing to consider with skin, that's all about how you take care of yourself. And so it's not really about thin skin, thick skin. That's a genetic thing. Um, and anybody who tells you different just doesn't understand how that works. So um, you know, I've had some, I've heard some people say they, uh, they're like, I eat more fish. So my skin gets thinner. I'm like, that is not how science or physiology or anything works. Um, you know, if you eat more fish, that does not give you fish like properties. You know, if you eat more fish, you do not develop the ability to breathe underwater anymore. That makes your skin look thinner. That is not only wrong. I would say it is borderline idiotic to think that. So no, no. Now what, can happen is, you know, fish is very lean. It is probably, you know, depending on the fish that you choose, probably the leanest of all proteins, lower trace fat. So if you're going for a super, super low dietary fat intake, that can help and that can help lean you out more. It doesn't make your skin thinner. That's just ridiculous. So let's just dispel that notion right off the bat. And I know that's not what you're talking about, but I've heard it come from other people. So I'm always going to take the opportunity to call out bullshit when I hear it or when I think about it. So, um, but skin, it's about how you take care of yourself over time. So oftentimes what I would notice is that, you know, um, older competitors, uh, they look a lot more rough just because they have more years of sun damage under their belt. So, you know, it just depends on how you live and how you take care of yourself realistically. So, um, and you know, some people also just based on genetics, they can, uh, they can have a lot of, you know, sun damage or sun exposure and it just doesn't wear on them the same way that it would on other people. Again, that's a genetic thing. That's nothing you have any control over. So what you do have control over is how you take care of yourself. So, um, and I would always encourage a more moderate approach there for sure. Protect yourself whenever necessary. Um, so muscle maturity, the thing about that is that really comes down to quality, density, and hardness more than anything else. So muscle maturity is not related to age necessarily. You can find someone who is fairly young who has really, really good muscle maturity, but the name there is, is misleading because it doesn't have to do with how long, how long you've had that muscle. And realistically, you know, keep in mind all, all muscle that you have on your body. Now you have always had, it's just a question of how has it been trained and how has it been developed and how has it grown? So it's not like you're taking new slabs of Play-Doh and throwing it on, you know, you're, you're basically just growing the Play-Doh that you already have, if that makes sense. You're inflating it, so to speak. So um, it's always been there. Um, but it, it has, muscle maturity has more to do with the quality of your training than anything else. So if you train with, let, let's give two scenarios here, and this is the one that I think most people think of. If you train with a high level of intensity, um, and you do that for a long time, you're, basically what you're doing is you are allowing the muscle to experience a higher number, a greater percentage of high quality contractions that make it work harder. So it's, it's denser, it's a little harder, it's more full. There, there are qualities to muscle. And you know, clearly another factor that goes into this is um, how you feed yourself um, and how you, how you go through your phases long term. So um, it is easier, I would say, to have muscle maturity with age simply because you've had a little bit more practice and a little bit more time. That being said, if you start at a relatively young age um, and you start training 
extremely effectively hard, violently, aggressively out of the gate. And I don't mean like lifting as much weight as possible, but I mean like brutalizing the muscle on a daily basis just with how hard you make it work. You can develop muscle maturity fairly quick. You'll see a lot of young people in their early 20s who have great muscle maturity because of the quality of their training and how hard they work. So it's much more about that. It's about how hard you work and to some extent over how long. So if you work, let, let's develop a 0 to 100 scale here. You, you work at a level of 100 and you're still relatively new. Well, you're going to develop muscle maturity fairly quickly. Now, let's say you're more like me and you operate at a level of more like 75, but you've been training for 20 years. Well, you're still going to have some muscle maturity just based on time. So that's why it's more commonly associated with, with that, with older people, just because it's, it's a lot easier to find uh, people who have been training with a moderate to good to maybe borderline high level of intensity for longer than someone who's been trained with a freakish and almost out of control level of intensity for a shorter period of time. So it's about basically quality reps more than anything else. And it's easier to have more quality reps with age um, just because the degree of difficulty on getting those is really high. Talking about what what we were talking before about drop sets and rest pause um, and the gut check that it requires to really pull that stuff off with a really good level of intensity. So same kind of situation there. So um, that's the best I could offer for that. It's it's really about the quality of the work that you put in, um, but it's cumulative. That That's the important point to make the distinction of. It's cumulative. So how hard you work means you need more or less time to accumulate good quality reps. And so, again, if you're training at a really ridiculous level of intensity, you just don't need as much time. A little bit more moderate, you need more time, which is why we call it muscle maturity, because it's easier to accrue over time. Does that make sense? It does in my head, but I don't know if any, when anybody's listening, if they're going to be like, what is that guy talking about? I don't know. Let me know. I, I trust that if I'm totally off base here and completely making no sense at all, you will let me know. You usually do, so I appreciate that. Hey, Darren. This is Billy from Rockford. I've been training seriously for the past 15 years, competing since 2009. And uh, my question really is, many of us competitors that get to a really, really lean stage, lean level of leanness, uh, going into the off season, we, we find ourselves having a hard time accepting any sort of level of fat gain, but I know it's something that I'm going to need, at least in order to progress and uh, really make that progress I want in the off-season. I feel like I've been kind of shooting myself in the foot, staying too lean. Uh, but my question to you is, what sort of advice do you have to offer individuals that kind of have this fear of the fluff in order to make that good progress in the off-season? Well, uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Love the show. Keep up the good work, man. Awesome. Thank you, Billy. Really appreciate that. So a really good question, a, a very common problem. Yes. Basically, it's like, hey, I spent all this time working really, really hard and busting my ass to get lean. And so I'm not going to throw it all away. And so he, here is where if you're a really disciplined individual, you actually screw yourself a little bit more because really disciplined individuals can get that lean and then just kind of hang out there. So that that fear of gaining back any body fat, they can actually prevent themselves from realizing that much to their detriment. Whereas most people are going to have a rebound because they're like diet, 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 show, okay, fuck this. And then it's like they go into, you know, almost like aggressively being against whatever routine they were on before. And so then they bounce back a little bit too hard. That is exceptionally common and that's not productive either. So somewhere between the two extremes is where we need to spend most of our time. 
where we're not looking to get stage lean, but we're also not aggressively looking to pack on as much weight as possible right after the show. And I know that's usually not the intention, but you know, with some of the way with the ways that a lot of people act after a show, it's it's fairly common and it kind of looks like it's what they're trying to do. But really, it's just you know rebelling against the diet that you've been on for the last several months. It's a very human and common thing to to have to deal with. So I get that. I get that. I've been there myself too. So, um, how 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 can we be okay? with a little bit of fat gain. First of all, you've got to trust. You know, one thing that um, is an immutable fact of being a bodybuilder is that you have the ability to manipulate your body fat um, and just trust that. So if you gain some, just know that, okay, you know, what, what, how did you get lean before? You can always just do that again. And th then the question becomes, that, okay, this is hilarious. The dogs are playing with one another and Derby is just pouncing all over Taz right now. You guys are making it really hard to do this. I'm trying to give a serious answer here. Derby in her foster home, before we got her, she lived with a cat. And so she has developed these cat-like tendencies. So she pounces on things like a cat does. And right now she's pouncing on Taz to try and play with him. I know, bud. It's hard to get pounced on all the time, isn't it? So anyway, um, You've got to trust that, like, yeah, you, you know that you can manipulate body fat. You can put a little bit on, and you can take it off just as easily. You've done it before. Then the question is, like, well, why do I have to do that? And it's just because in order to grow, you can't really be at a deficit, especially if you want to make significant improvements in your physique and your overall development. You, you don't necessarily need to be at a massive surplus, but you've got to have enough calories in the tank to be able to grow. And if you continue to stay at a deficit, which is the only way you're going to maintain any kind of stage lean, you can't, you know, be that lean at like four or five percent body fat and get your calories up to maintenance and stay at four, four or five percent body fat. You know, maintenance is a, an elusive term. It is not designed to maintain you there. You're still going to have to be at a deficit, which means you can't grow in any kind of significant way at all. Um, so you've got to be able to to accept the fluctuations in the seasons. That's that's the big thing right there. And one thing that I think is very helpful is when high level bodybuilders post pictures of themselves in the off season, which usually they don't. But if you follow ones that do, I don't have any good names to throw at you right now, but just look at some of the top level guys and you'll know, forget their throwback Thursday and their stage picks and all this crap. Well, look at their off season picks. First of all, they're all off cycle, so they're going to look kind of small, but also you'd be like, man, these guys are not particularly lean. Yeah, that's the norm. And then look at what they can bounce back to. And I always remember this, this, um, article in this photo spread that was from Muscle and Fitness sometime back in the 90s or something like that. And it was Lee Priest before he went crazy and got all the face tattoos and everything. Because um, he always gets shredded. Always. Always brings the conditioning. And this was some kind of like, I don't know if it was a joke or what. I have a hard time remembering the details of it. But it was some kind of a photo spread of him in the off season. And it was like him like deliberately trying to look fat. I mean, he was not lean at all. I would say he was borderline fat a little bit. Um, and it was like him, uh, pictures of him eating donuts in the kitchen is the one that I really, really, really stands out in my mind. I don't remember the nature of the article or why it existed, but it, the, the, that image does um, stand out in my mind. In fact, I think if probably if you go and Google um, Lee Priest donuts, <laughs> I'm, I'm just guessing here. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Go to images. And uh, where'd it go? I saw it before. Yeah, so <laughs> here it is. It's the it's the sixth image that comes up. It's Lee Priest looking really, really chubby, um, eating. Uh, are these donuts? Did I remember that right? Um, 
Hold on, it's linking me to an article here. Um, no, I think it's like it's a plate of like fried chicken or something like that. But I mean, he's looking pretty pretty legitimately fat. Um, and so it's it, this isn't the the article in question, but that photo is from this muscle and fitness spread that I remember. I don't, I don't remember the the nature of it, like I said, but I do remember this image clearly. So here he is with a giant gut, and like his love handles are sticking out over the side. So. I always hold this up as the gold standard of like off-season bodybuilding. And, you know, clearly this was a long time ago, but look at where we recovered to. So you don't need to do this. I'm not asking you to do this, but I will tell you that you can do this and you can still be okay. Um, and so I always try and remind myself of that. Like, yeah, I don't need to stay as lean as possible. Thank God, because I do a terrible job of it. Um, but like you can kind of let yourself go. And that, that's a different standard for all of us. Like, Billy, for you, that might mean, okay, I'm going to let myself go to 8%, you know, whatever. You know, really let yourself go there, man. Uh, but you can let yourself go for the sake of long-term improvement and be able to, to cut back. So basically just trust in your ability to do it. That's the main thing. If you can do that, then suddenly I think a whole lot of anxiety that surrounds this will go away. And also understand that this is not the norm and that social media has a lot to do with this and that people only want to show themselves when they're at their leanest. It's not productive because that's not how everybody lives. And <clears throat> I think the more the more competitors you know and the more competitors you spend your time around, the more you realize that the really good ones, the high-level ones, yeah, they get lean for shows and then they get unlean after shows. That is normal. And you've got to allow yourself a little bit of bounce back like that if you want to improve. Otherwise, you're, get, you're going to be bringing a very similar physique from one show to the next. So um, just be okay with it and trust that you can pull it off. Trust that, you know, what, whatever level of conditioning that you achieved, it was not a one-time thing. It's repeatable. That, that's the big thing. Trust yourself. So um, that's it. So I'm going to get this episode posted. I'm going to try and get those workouts posted online and a blog post written up as well. So it'll take me a little bit of time to get all that together. I'm going to try and do it today. Um, so just keep your eyes on my social media, um, Darren underscore star on Instagram, five star physique on Facebook. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll have all the details up there as soon as that's available. So, um, everybody stay safe in the meantime, you know, follow all those good protocols we were talking about at the start here. Um, keep the voicemails coming, 865-518-2974. You can hit me up via email, Darren at fivestarfitness.com. Um, I would say that you can message me on Instagram at Darren underscore star. Man, if you email me, it's so much better. I get a lot of spam on Instagram, so I don't I do not do as good of a job of staying up on that. I don't miss a whole lot of it, but I'm a little slower to respond there. So email is always great. You can also go to fivestarphysique.com or thedropset.com. Click on contact. There's a form there. You don't have to remember my address. You can just type in your question and send it over that way. So hit me up. Everybody stay safe. With any luck, we'll be back on Friday.